You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. Okay, we're double dipping in the studio, so that just means we're knocking out a couple podcasts. Back half of today's podcast, Coach Donnie Hagberg. So, Donnie, last time I had you in here with Sean, and I, I kind of really kind of crappily started off with, like, we don't have a title for you. You've been here longer than everyone else, and... It's like you have to earn every bit of respect that you get around here, and there is no title. And so it's not that it, – probably number one because you don't need one, want one. There's not a purpose for one. But my gosh, why do I have you in the, in the studio today? You're a soldier, and you're a soldier that gets the job done. So if I needed a mission – I send you out to go get the job done. I like to think of the girls as mercenaries and things like that. Not that, you know, I just, I don't know, maybe they're more attractive. I don't know what it is. But, I, you know, I think of that. And, and so this weekend, you did it again. And so the reason I kind of had fun with the sergeant at arms terms is, is because it's really your expertise is in what happens on the front line. You know, your experience on the front line. When you left here last week... And you're like, okay, qualifier. And it was the statement that you made, and I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. So, but when you left here, it was like someone that's just kind of putting on the boots and going out and doing it again. But it was different than, than the undertone that I hear in a lot of coaches, where there's some uncertainty because we don't know. You don't know. Right. You don't know how the ball's going to bounce or anything like that. So this weekend you qualified again for the tenth year in a row. Yep. So I mean, no bursts in ten years. Uh, what's that? No births in 10, like nobody's given you anything. You've, no, you've qualified 10 years in a row. Yes, so sir. this is what it falls under. And I'm trying to work on this presentation. I want coaches to benefit from what your, your experience has provided for yourself and for your teams. I want coaches. Everybody knows and everyone has a story. And it's not like anything you're going to say in the next half hour is going to be rocket science. But, but if you want to be happy... Listen to someone that's happy. You want to be a successful business person? Listen to someone that's successful in business. You want to qualify 10 years in a row? <laughs> Listen to someone that's, that's done it, or one or three or whatever. Because when you hear, it's kind of like batting. You hear everybody that knows everything, and, and starting off with not everybody wants to hear it. But for those people that want to hear it, 10 in a row. And that says something. That's a body of work. And that's on the front lines. Like, my gosh, you should be giving birth. You should be. But it's not like you need it or want it because you know how to take care of business. But that's, that's, that's another conversation. So if I was to start off asking you, what does it take for that type of consistent record now that you have a 10-year body of work of getting your team to national championships? What does it take to be that consistent? Well, first, I, I, I got to get the kids to believe uh, what we're good, what we're or kind of what our goal is. And I kind of start making statements early in the fall about where we need to get to, what we need to be when the time matters. And our, our today, this year, our thing was one out at a time. One out at a time is all we, I even kind of made a joke out of it. And before each game, I would start write the number 21 all the way down to one. And as we got outs, nice. I'd scratch them off and letting the girls know, don't listen to all the bracket dads. Some of you have bracket dads. And, you know, if you win this game, you play this team. And I told the girls, it doesn't matter. One out at a time. It doesn't matter who we play tomorrow, who our next game is. 
We show up. Whoever's in that other dugout, it doesn't matter. So one out at a time, that's something that you're talking about in games? Or do you have a board that you're, you're, you're crossing off outs, or that's just right in your dialogue? Hand. Right in my hand. Yeah, it's, it's in my dialogue, and I actually have it in my hand. Because and at what point are they now telling you, you know, how many outs left? Or, the, are they... They, they don't ask. Okay. They'll walk over, and they go, how are we doing? And I'll just show them the, show them the paper, and they just kind of smile. And Interesting. Just kind so of you shrink we, it down. Something we just kind of embraced this year. That's, right. that, that was this year's motto was just one out at a time. And So you start the dialogue early in the year, kind of setting the course for what's going to happen. Then as you get through, and again, it's, it's pretty common, but then a lot of coaches don't realize they don't do that. So you're not really laying out what's happening in summer while you're losing a game in the fall or something right. like that, right? So you kind of lay it out for them. Now you've create now is one out at a time is this year's? That's you this know, year's motto. Each yeah. year could have something. It's something different each year. And and that's on the defensive, uh, defensive side is one out at a time. And, and offensively, it's one pitch at a time. And just keeping that motto. Um, I would honestly say... The biggest task for me, carrying a larger roster with 17, 18 girls as I go into qualifiers, is building up the confidence in in those that may not be playing a whole lot at the qualifiers. And I would say this year our dugout was electric from the first pitch of the first game to the last pitch of the last game. They never let up. And I'm talking about kids that never even gotten one game. Right. But they felt part of it. They felt every bit a part of it. They were just as happy, hugging, everything. And, 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 and did you say it's because of how you've included them in dialogue and communication exactly. and also along with their supplemented playing time the rest of the year? So it's Correct. not like the whole year they're getting one out of five games. Correct. And, and it's letting them know that you're one twisted ankle, one upset stomach away from being in the game. And, and I want to make sure that my entire roster is engaged on every pitch. So creating value in those players before you get to the Beforehand. point of the year when they might not be in the field as much because, again, it's not as important because the field isn't their only source of value. Right. Again, I feel like all coaches know this, but are you setting that communication in place? Are you talking, checking in? So much of what I do is damage control or more so a few years ago because – People let things happen, and then they have to clean it up afterwards. But staying on the front end of it, I think, is really, really, really important. It's huge in having those conversations with some of the families at the end of the fall where you've had a chance to, to kind of evaluate your, your talent and your team and kind of seeing where each kid may fit in um, when, when push comes to, sh- to shove, so to speak, right. and having those conversations with the family and explaining to them what they may be looking at in certain situations and certain events and as long as they're okay with it, and I never want to hold anybody and hold them hostage and not let them know where they kind of where they stand and fit in on the on the current roster, so they know going in kind of where they're at and what they're, you know, hey, you're going to be sure. the number three catcher and, and you're sure. going to be a bullpen catcher, and sure. then being okay with it, embracing that, right. Or describing the role in some, some – because I don't think every coach can pull off the numbers because I think when you put a number sometimes, you know, then they expect a number one or a number three or whatever that right. is. But to have the dialogue on what your role is. So, again, I put myself in the position of a coach listening going, okay, you're not telling me anything I haven't heard, but then here's where I'm going to come in. I'm going to point out, well, but you're still the coach posting, like, how many wins your team had over the last three weeks or you're still <laughs> the coach posting – you know how the the pictures of the trophies. Not that that's bad. Don't take that the wrong way. But you're 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 still talking about those things instead of really telling the story of the things that matter the most, which lead to all of these things. That's that's really important. 
So I think that's an important takeaway for coaches to understand what end are you working from? Because if you're talking about, you know, the hard goods, the numbers, things, and you're not talking enough about and creating the story, in the end, you follow that same path. Your numbers, if we were to look at the numbers from the weekend, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot that were were great in order. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was all nine eight games, no. you know. So the 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 every all the data and everything else falls in place, but you've created the story, and I think that's important. How about executing on the field? So were there things consistently that you look for your teams to do by this point? You don't always qualify your first time out. That was kind of exciting this this right. year, right, being yeah. able to get on the first Kitco. But what types of things are you looking for your team to execute? What, what did they do a great job of this weekend? of, of- Squeeze play. Um, we were facing a tough opponent, and first couple innings we were getting runners on base and not getting that that big hit and i decided to kind of switch it up a little bit and every single time i got a runner to third base we've dropped it and i've let them understand that 99 out of 100 times if you get it down even when they expect it you're gonna score we just got to execute that and i mean we did three in a row three straight squeeze plays in a row and and it's about winning innings, and you exposed a team that wasn't prepared mm-hmm. to throw the ball out of the uh, out of the buntable zone. It's not even out of the strike zone because you can bunt right. the ball, no right? Rice balls, no nothing. So again, I'm going to go back. I'm that coach, and and I'm you know I'm fascinated with all the science and everything, and I want the long ball and everything else. But one of the things I want you coaches to understand that are listening is that that we're not trying to re, uh, reinvent things. We're not saying this way is better. All we're saying, and that's why I have you in here, is because it's not only me. Look at the the, the organization this weekend with all the coaches winning, right. is that when you have a story of winning, we're teaching our teams how to compete. We're teaching our teams how to function with the bat. It's not always about how hard they hit it or the home run that we hit you know, and how far it goes and the angle on it. And all that's great, but it's the squeeze play. How much do you talk about it? How... Because when you're in that moment, and I think you just said, even when they know it's coming, they can't do anything about it. Because tell me if I'm wrong, all we need to know in the third base box is that we're going to get a ball somewhere over the plate. Yeah. It doesn't, even if they know it's coming, if they do not, if they have not shown us a pitch out or something that they can execute that's going to expose us, they can't do anything about it. It's funny you say that. And, and pitch outs, it's, it's, it's talked about all the time, um, but it's something that I, maintain that our pitchers and catchers do at the end of every single bullpen excellent pitch out Note pitch that out purpose. pitch out and uh like an intentional walk right and bunting is something we do at every single practice i don't hit it any practices hardly but bunting is something sacrifice bunting squeeze surprise all of that stuff we do it every single practice because i've kind of explained to them you're not going to win a lot of games 10 to 2 in big tournaments as you get later on in the in the the event you're going to have to be able to win two to one games. And I said teams that can defend the bunt and teams that can bunt are teams that advance. So go back into 10 years of qualifying and you, you figure anywhere from uh, four to 10 games, each of those tournaments. So you're looking at quite a a large amount of games, right? So how much does the sacrifice bunt and the squeeze bunt come into play in over 10 years? A lot. I I mean, I played play to win innings. I, if they score, play to win innings. They score one. We need to score two. They don't score. We score one. I just I, that one four or five times. All of a sudden, you're up five one, and it's not about getting that five run inning. Those are great, 
Do you, do you play to secure those runs early? Meaning, don't Absolutely. don't just so you're playing it by the Absolutely. book. You're manufacturing. You're moving uh, runners moving over runners. base to base, getting them home from third. Yep. You know, you know. Again, and it's all an attempt because we need to do a chalk talk with you uh, next. But it's all an attempt of what we try to provide with the FC on demand. There's a whole um, series of getting on base first to second, moving from second to third, and then getting them home from third to home. Right. And and it's just management Sack of each flies. so that. Because look at how many teams come up short, and they had a runner on second with two outs, and they swung away, you know, and they flew out to center field, and nothing happened. And how many times you've turned that runner into a, I, a run? I question. We played a two to one game this weekend, and um, I, I sat there and watched the other team have a runner at third base twice with less than two outs. And, and you're thinking what and, you would have done, and, and knowing what I would have done, yeah. and. I'm not going to holler out, watch the squeeze, and put it in his head. We have a different terminology right, for that, right? Just to let our girls know, right, sure. and uh, they never, never attempted it. Swung away and popped up, and you had to kind of adapt to the uh, the environment we were in this weekend. Fences were 250 feet, not 200. You weren't getting the three run jacks, and uh, the wind was blowing hard, and keep the ball out of the air, bounce the ball. We just bounce the ball, bounce the ball, put the pressure. I have five slappers in my lineup. So, okay, so I'm all that. about, you're not, you're not one or two slappers <laughs> no. that everything's right. No, we've got three lefties to start the game, a six hitter an eight hit nine hitter. I mean, I've got them all over. So the place. doing things, doing different things to the ball, bunting, bouncing, all the small stuff. Are you using any fake bunt to start off fake with? Fake bunt, so? pull back, chop, fake bunt, pull back, power slap. I mean, everything. I told the girls, the slappers, I don't want to see the same thing twice. Show me something different every at-bat. Love it. And even if you're going to go back to doing what you're going to do every at-bat, show a different look at the beginning. Are you listening? Go back. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it. Like, that's it. Yep. I love it. And the diversity, could because what ends up happening is for every situation that comes up, you have so many more tools now that you can. So depending on the player, you've mm-hmm. already, you know, I was talking to a coach yesterday that, you know, we get one offensive timeout per inning. Okay. So coaches, did you know that one offensive timeout per inning in championship play? Use it. And so what does that mean? Well, you could call a timeout and you could be talking to your batter at the plate but you're going to say something to your on-deck batter. And then as you walk back to the box, you're going to say something to the batter in the hole just to prep her that if she does get on, you know what I'm going to give you, right? Right. So that somebody's not missing a sacrifice sign because it's odd because those are stories that you hear from people that come up short. Oh, she missed the sign. She didn't know it was, you know, but really that's on us to take care of all of that communication ahead of time. So right now your team, and we're, and we're just getting into the summer, but the fact that you've got, had the qualifying experience, this is where everything's really starts to come together for the team. So all the nuances, like you said something earlier that you won't say, watch out for the squeeze. You have other terms, but those players now know what all of those terms mean, right? Right. Right. And so terminology, I'll tell you what, I'm, I mean, I watch baseball forever and they never hollered out three one two and two one five in baseball games, and it worked for a hundred years. So, right. with me saying that our our dugout was electric this year, it was kind of funny because they were nonstop, and the other teams trying to holler out their two one four to the pitcher, and she can't hear because the dugout is so loud, and they're going like this, and it was teams don't practice for noise. It was kind of right. kind of fun to watch. We, we've talked about that in in having fun with coaches that that at times like to step out on the field and 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 dictate things with a voice. But when your team is cheering and the coach can't hear himself yell, 
he fades back into the dugout and he doesn't know he's doing it. And then you look at your dugout and they're like, wow, we made that happen. You say, yep. yeah, because he can't hear himself yeah. or herself, but it's usually a him. But I think, I think that's amazing. Um, so a lot of short game, a lot of, uh, how about defensively? What was the key to your, your success there? Uh, uh, low scoring and high scoring games, a little, little bit of everything? Um, yeah, a little bit of everything. We had a two to one games and 17 to one so games. So making I pitches mean, when you need, location yeah. oriented. What are you looking for for your pitchers? How do you decide who's going to start a game? Do you start the night before? Do you watch them warm up? Like you're in championship play, not, and, and softball goes so many different ways. How do you know? This, and how do you how do you decide you know the depth of your starting and and your next relief pitcher? And the point I want to make here is how many times have we seen a coach need a relief pitcher and she's not ready because you didn't th- think your kid was going to tank the first inning? Well, once we start a game, whoever's in. I mean, I did a rotation one pitcher then the, the next for the whole tournament, and um, I knew with the the experience of one of them, she's going to get me seven innings more often. So than your pitchers are getting through games. Yeah. And the other one, the younger one, um, was trying to get four innings out of her, five innings out of her, and kind of let the the game dictate when she come out. And that's kind of what I did is is she got me about four innings a game before I had to bring in uh, the more experienced, you know, um, kid and let her finish off. Mm -hmm. And as far as them being ready, as soon as the game starts, the other kid starts throwing. Every inning, she's throwing. When we're out on the field, she's throwing. And then if I make a move and go to the next pitcher, the next kid gets up. And so her job is to throwing. be warm. Yes. Right. So coaches, you know, again, I, I always think about how busy we get right before games. Now you go from the last game you, you left. What's the first thing we have to do? We have to get to the other field, and we have to write the lineup. Right. Right? So that takes some thought. And now people have to get warmed up. So all of this dialogue, you know, coaches, make sure you've talked to your pitchers because the last thing you want is to assign a starting pitcher. You haven't said anything to your other pitchers. And then again, the difference there is that if you, if let's say she just threw a great game and you're rolling her into the next game, but now she walks the first two batters. Okay. Now this is the difference between being down four to nothing in the first inning or one or two to nothing and minimize the damage. Minimizing your damage early in the game gives you a chance to come back and score later because two can turn into five. Fast. Real fast and softball, and when that happens to a lack of preparation, you know that's that's something for us to learn from, right? So you always have another one ready. I would say the biggest thing for me that I've learned over the course of the last I don't know two or three years is use your assistant coaches. There's so it was always I was trying to do everything. Um, I turned over pitch calling this year to Jesse, um, and Jesse Martinez. Jesse Martinez um, turned over pitch calling to him. And that was hard for me to do because a I love doing it. You have to earn it. that trust. A I love doing it, and and b it, it, you know I enjoy the the art of setting up a hitter sure. and and watching them in the on deck circle and all that sort of stuff. But in talking with him and him raising a, a pitcher, who's pretty good, who's pretty good, Danny Martinez, mm-hmm. and uh, I turned that over to him, and I found that it's <clears throat> it's kind of really helped me out having that kind of time to coming off the third base box and, and into the dugout to just kind of relax right. a little bit. Because it's nonstop breathe. when you're doing both. Right. You go from the box to the bucket to the box to the bucket, boom. And then right. and next thing you know, it's yeah, it gets pretty intense. I it's can breathe. And right. I tell this assistant coach, hey, you're watching you're watching every runner making sure she touches the bases right. or telling the girls to make sure that the other team's touching base because you can steal an out at or two a year with that. Right. Right. So it's never just called. Right. Watch the umpire who's watching. They're not watching at first base. Leave yeah. it a little earlier. Leave it a little earlier. Leave it 9 o'clock instead of 12 o'clock, so right. to speak. Did anybody notice the crazy eye on the, <laughs> on the base umpire? <laughs> you can't see first. So, 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 so you're, you're delegating things yes. more. Yes, a lot more. 
a lot more and I found it to be more enjoyable for me on the field Great. because well Jesse provides some experience and he's got a playing background and so that's that's been absolutely. a good good partnership absolutely and and we did something a little different this year is I I brought on kind of late back in January I brought on four kids from out of town and we actually ended up adding a fifth one from a different area but late in the year we added five new kids to our team and uh the big concern was, hey, what about the camaraderie and, and, and whatnot? And I looked at him and I go, I'm going to be honest with you. You know what fixes camaraderie? You know what gets a team together? And they go, what? And I go, win. Win games. They'll come together. So did it work? It worked. Team's not. They're like best friends now. Right. Yeah, they're like best friends. And before our first game of the tournament, they were all sitting in a circle talking. And one of the coaches goes, hey, what are we doing? Let's get to stretch. And I go, leave them alone. Excellent. They're right. actually see on the outside. You're this, you know, bigger, burly guy. You wouldn't think you. You and we've talked. We've had plenty of talks about you know your personal life and different things like that. But these are the little things. Let them have that moment. They're right. bonding right now, right? They need that, right? They need that more so than a couple more bunting reps. Or yeah, yeah. We're, it's you are what you are at that point. That's awesome. So so tell me about either some situations that stand out in your mind that you guys. Uh, executed or didn't, or certain things that players did to step up. Anything stand out over the weekend? Some, well, some, some what we call hairball moments. There was, the, I would say, the biggest hairball moment of the entire weekend. Um, uh, we were playing the Athletics Mercado team, very good team, and which you just almost always assume. Yeah, and it was a two to one ball game. They had runners at second and third, and two outs, and their number three hitter up, and we had discuss. I, Walked over to Jesse. I said, "Do we pitch to this kid, or we put her on?" And or and who's we, in the circle? And uh, Emily Rush. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "I like the swing of the four hitter better than the three hitter. Let's pitch to her." I go, "Fair enough. Let's do it." And uh, it. she went up and in on her. The kid got jammed and popped one up just to the first base side. And Emily took full speed ahead and laid out for the ball. And I mean. It's in fair territory. If it goes off her glove, two-run score, and we probably lose that game. She shows it to the ump, and, I mean, you could see it? the ball. You could see the ball and, and got out of that inning, ended up winning that game. In a and bad dream game, it rolls out of her glove, both runs score. Yeah, and she hurt her ribs doing it. I mean. Wow, though, laid it out. Laid it out. and Gamer. She, she, that, that kid's special. And, and I mean. She had a great high school year this year, too. She, she's. That kid. So, would you say you're, you're seeing some development and maturity? And Absolutely. I've had her since she was a freshman, and to see her. How would now, you How would you describe that? I think that's important because it happens at different points for different players. And um, the physical ability was there all along, <laughs> and now the mental part of it is sharp, and she's just a killer. And and you know, like anyone, she hates to lose, like any kid does, for that matter. But she's very vocal on this in the circle she's turning and talking to her teammates she's very vocal on the bench um just a Love kid it. that you want to have in your so dugout. Her value or just a kid you want to have in your dugout. awesome yeah. Yeah. good family good deal it's fun to watch yeah so that was one of those so she makes the play and then that was that late in the game fifth inning sixth inning yeah, it was late. It was late. It was scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, any situations uh, you can think of that you guys scored some runs that were big? Kid came up with a big at bat, or obviously you had the squeeze plays that were right on to the birth game. Um, we jumped out in the birth game, scored five runs in the top of the first inning. Kids were on fire, and I, hey, we got to keep this up. We can't let them. You know, you score a couple more, they're going to be they're going to check out. Well, right. we didn't, and they ended up getting four runs across the board in one inning. And first and second, 
and their number three hitter up, who had already heard us in the previous at bat, and uh, we got her to roll over on a ground ball to third, tag the base, throw it across the diamond to, to get that out, and uh, we come up the next inning, two out, nobody on, and managed to push three across. A couple slappers got on board, three hitter put one in the gap, and that kind of right there kind of sealed there the deal is, for right. us. But so so the you know. A lot of games, one play here, one play there. Okay, yeah. didn't qualify. One play different, you qualify. So, I think again, there's a large amount of coaches and people that have that story. I'm going to go back to, but ten years in a row. So those consistencies, those things that you look for, those, um, uh, you know, whether it's the dialogue, some of the things that we've already we've already talked about. Because when you look at other coaches and you watch how they coach and you look at the mistakes, either they repeat or something like that. Uh, Mike White made a great statement once and still sticks with me. More games are lost than won. You know, they're, they're, they're lost because of a mistake or a misplay or mm-hmm. a decision or something like that, right? But you're, you're minimizing that with, your, with the way you coach your teams. We, we, we you preach, still make mistakes. Yeah, still- we, we preach that you, you, it's the spectacular plays are great, and they might happen once every other, once every five games. Just make the routine plays. Play catch. And and the team that's if you have two good teams playing, whoever makes the mistake generally is going to be the one to to lose. And they had a comebacker to the pitcher that the pitcher threw into right field. We made her pay for it with a single after that to score the first run of the game and kind of set the tone for the game. And so checklist for coaches: number one, did your team throw strikes? Number two, did you play catch? Number three, did you put the ball in play? So played for a great coach and said, ask yourself those three questions after every, every game and see how you did and see how the game turned out. And then after a few years, I heard him add this piece. He goes, and when you play another team that's doing well and they also play catch, those strikes, put the ball in play, he said it comes to the team that knows how to specialize a couple of plays. So in baseball, it was called a slash. So, you right. know, it might be whatever. It might be the slapping game or whatever. But, you know, your ability to specialize in a couple of things, create a couple of things, because now you're, you're kind of at even odds with someone across the, the field from you. Right. And so who's got a little more of a repertoire of this or that or base running, finesse, whatever it is. But it comes down to that. What advice would you give? You've seen a lot of coaches that come so close. And it seems like every year they just... Mm. Is there something that you see in coaches like that? Is there something that they could either stop doing or something could start doing? Like there's, I see behavior patterns. Like when, when, we, when we compete against teams, right? So it, it almost goes into a category. It's not any personal judgment or anything. It's like, what do I have to work with and how are we going to get past this person? And often there's, there's something that presents itself that I'm like, they're, they're doing themselves in. Right. So do you know where I'm going with that? I, I do. And, and I think over the course of time, and, and I've gotten probably better at this now than I was before, but uh, call it cockiness or, or whatever, is I always expect to win. And I preach that from day one to the girls. And, and, and I tell them, you know, you go to the 18, 18 gold level and you watch over the course of years. You notice you always see Tony's team and Marty's team and Mike Stith's team and, you know, the SoCal Athletics teams. It's the same teams that are there on Sundays. Why is that? Is it always because they have more talent? Some years, yeah. Some years, not. They refuse to lose. They expect to win. There's an expectation, a standard. Right? We, we, I don't care what the situation is. We are going to win this game. And, and having that mentality when things aren't going your way, you know, and reminding yourself of that can go a long way. Uh, I think the the relatable point there for a lot of coaches is that, hey, we may be in a plane that's going down 
But when the pilot looks at me and tells me it's going to be okay and I'm wearing good hands, it's a different type of, you know. So so own the saddle, own the you know, saddle. And because I think a lot of coaches, it's so hard to be honest with yourselves when, you know, for my red assness comes from a, the standard. It's not ever from a, a, a worry of winning or losing. It's the standard that will create my red assness. So that standard isn't being met. You're not. You're not seeing the game. I want you to the way I want you to see it. We're not play, whatever it is. But for so many coaches, and I wouldn't even say it's the red assness. What's detectable in their personalities is the insecurity, the competitive insecurity, or the lack of accomplishment. Maybe that you could see that you haven't been there before. But how many right. times have we heard this? Act like you've been there before. Right. You know, go back to some of the stuff that you see in baseball that I think is something good to extract. Don't show your cards, so just be stoic. It's a little weird to be quiet like that. But don't show your cards. Don't show your cards. I am feeling everything that every coach, especially the ones in charge that we compete against, everything that they're doing, because that's part of this play as well. It's like poker, right? Right. Don't, don't show your cards. So now you get to breathe a little easier. Woo! Yeah, it's <laughs> so tell me about the drive home. Now, you've had a lot of drives, and you've had, you know, you've done the uh, Vegas drive a few times, but how was that car drive home? You, 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 you put your birth trophy in the passenger seat. Passenger seat, put the seatbelt on. It's kind of become a, a little bit of a tradition for me uh-huh. of doing that. And it's kind of a, a joke, but at the same time, it sat there. It wasn't just for the picture. It sat there with the seatbelt on for the entire drive home. Now, you've done this 10 years. But it doesn't mean it's old. No, it, it never gets old. I told the girls, I, I even mentioned that to the girls, that, that uh, you know, compare this one to another. I said, I can't. I said, each year, you Has can't expect story. next year it's going to be there. Yeah. So you got to appreciate each one for but what But they ask you to compare it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because they, they know your, your history. Right. Right. And I, I go, no, I, I, this one is the greatest one because this one just happened. Yeah. And, you know, and that... It's special, and you yeah. can't take that away because you can't expect it's going to be there next year. So, so tell me what uh, FC Hagberg has coming up now, next few weeks. And uh, well, I gave them a much. Uh, I've been riding them pretty hard the last uh, couple of weeks. With our practices have been pretty intense and and you know com- com- very competitive. Um, and thinking that we were possibly going to have to go to Vegas this weekend if we didn't get it done. Uh, gave them the weekend off this weekend and. Go get your nails done. Go they, get your... they were pretty excited to hear that, and I was pretty excited to let them hear that. So um, I, I think I just need some time to decompress as well. Right. And uh, as far as the drive home went, I'll be honest with you, I was up pretty late on uh, Monday night getting to know some of the families on our team, and, or Sunday night getting to know some of the families on our team, and uh, uh, got to bed about 2 a.m. I had to get up at 5. and end oh, up... So you left the next morning. Ended up spending twelve hours at the at the field that day, so I got in the car with the uh, all what happened and started driving. And thirty minutes into my drive, my eyes were kind of getting heavy, uh-huh. and I think I made it to Blythe and pulled over and got a hotel and slept for the night and Good drove home you. on Tuesday morning. We're going to call that an excellent decision. Man. Thank <laughs> you. Cause glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. About a, uh, yeah. So good because I think I, you know again I think it's another conversation, but the amount of miles the road where and it is not uncommon to hear stories of coaches that almost fell asleep on the road or things like that and it's every weekend so i I think that's a really good point to cover too make make the decision just do it you know it's not worth it i was by myself it was late at night you know and and that road was looking longer and longer and i mean i i had pulled over to about four rest stops before i made the decision to 
actually get a, I'd go 30 minutes and pull off, 30 minutes and pull off. And it's interesting because if I don't know somebody's on the road, I do, it doesn't stay in my head. And, and I don't do this with all of you or anything like that. I think I sent one to Sean yesterday. Uh, did you make it home? But I think it's just the way that I was raised when you know someone's what, you know, you, 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 there's this less, last little piece that you need to know they're there. My mom would say when we pull in the driveway, thank you, God, for getting us home safe. And it was just the last piece that always kind of acknowledged that. Got, Excuse me. So two. in my head, you were you were you were you were left that night, but it was good to know. I've you made got a good two decision. two daughters that are. <laughs> you do, and it's they're great. they're they're aware of where I'm at and my situation. I love how I hear things, whether we're hanging out or whatever, and you're like, no, they told me I should probably <laughs> like you know. So that's that's pretty uh, they, hold you accountable. Where are you at right now? I'm just getting a bite to eat. I've just got a hotel room. Okay, good. So you made the decision to stay. Yeah, good. I did. It's like I'm about to hit the road. Uh, probably wouldn't do that, Dad. Uh, you know, yeah, so they're on me pretty good. So we're, che- we're good here. So, Just, so checks and balances. Yeah, yeah. Well, Donnie, again, I, I I really wanted to capture the body of work and and for coaches to know that look, you know, one of the things I'm proud of is that I'm not the one man show of guidance here. Is that that coaches can reach out to you if they have any questions, anything like that. You've been in the organization as long time as. You know, as, as long as anybody, and I think that's important that, that the story is going to continue to, to, to rise to the top because for no other reason than it, it's a boulder and it's coming up and, and it's there and it's a solid. And I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm not surprised because I know you and I've watched you coach, but it, it just had to be noted. So coaches, listen, if you're not where you want to be, we're, we're just working hard to try to provide you things that will help you. You know, there's no reason why you should be in the same spot over and over and over, no matter what part of your coaching operation, if it's one thing. So, you know, not one way to hit a ball, so many different ways, bounce, bunt, squeeze, all these different things, but, but reach out. You're, you're not alone. Sometimes that first phone call, sometimes that first reach out's weird because you feel insecure. You're not in a good place, but tap into what we have because we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot to offer. So keep up the great work. Enjoy your little bit of downtime. I know you're headed to, you headed to Colorado. Yep. So you'll be there, and when, uh, so we've got about what six weeks or something like that before nationals come around. So Colorado, it's going to be great. Yeah. So you'll be back on the road. He's just taking one week off. He got a whole <laughs> week off, so that, that's that's all you need. So thanks, brother. Okay, great job this weekend, Thank and uh, we'll see you in here next time. Mm-hmm.